Welcome to the Psychology World Podcast. I'm Matt Connor Whiteley, bringing you psychology news and easy to understand and engaging psychology facts. For more information and the backlist episode show notes and more information on psychology topics, please go to connorwhiteley.net and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 18 of the Psychology World Podcast with me, Connor Whitesley. And today's episode is on health psychology and it will be our last episode on health psychology in this little seg- um, series segment and then we'll go on to developmental psychology next week. So, and, I, and on a very quick note, it's very late here in Kent, in Canterbury, England which I'll tell you a bit more in the personal update why I'm doing it at 25 past 10 at night. So moving on to the psychology news section. So in this uh, psychology news section, I'm reading from the British Psychological Society's Research Digest newsletter. And there are a few interesting emails here. For example, you've got one, which is white, which says that people who see God as a white man tend to prefer white men for leadership positions. This I find very interesting and sadly quite racist because I can definitely see this happening because if you see God as a white man, if you see God as anything, you are more likely to prefer that man because, of course, he's God and he's as a divine being. So, of course, you would want to, well, of course, you would idolise that figure. And if anyone shares any of those commonalities or those traits, then you're more likely to even cognitively, subconsciously admire them. Yes, that was quite interesting. Yes, I'll read it out to you. When you picture God, do you see a young black woman or an old white man? Chances are, it's the latter. And a new study in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology suggests that an image has its consequences. Across a series of seven studies, the team find... Uh, the way that we perceive God, and in particular our beliefs about God's race, may influence our decision about who we should be in a leadership position more generally. It is a shame that, even on a subconscious level, we are a tiny bit, well, whether this is outright racism, on a subconscious level, probably. Uh, that is a shame, and I think, it's just, I think this highlights the need for us to question our opinions, which is quite interesting. What else is there? Uh, no, I don't want to do that one because that one seems complicated and it's political. And I always try and avoid politics on this podcast. So the editors pick what difference, uh, what's different about the brains of the minority of us who feel others' physical pain? This was quite an interesting reader. I've not listened to the podcast version of this study, but I may or may not, I've got something like 25 podcast episodes to listen to of various things, so I'll get round to it one day. <laughs> so, what this study says, well, says like in a short, is, well, I'll actually just read it to you, because I have it on my phone here. So, if a, a friend that sees you suffering and tells you, I feel your pain, it may be more than an expression of empathy. For about a quarter of people, it could literally be true. A 2017 study found that 27% of participants who experienced so-called mirror pain, watching someone fall off a bike and receiving an ejection for instance, 
was limited to physical pain of their own. And in a subsequent paper, the researchers found that some people who had this experience don't show normal activities in the so-called pain matrix, the network of the brain regions linked to the experience of pain. They also show unusual patterns of neural activity that suggest that they struggle to distinguish other people's experiences from their own. Now, even just that short section is amazing because it shows that you don't have to feel, you don't actually have to experience real pain to be able to feel the pain of others, which I think is amazing. And I would actually love to talk to someone who does feel like this because I just, because for your brain to be able to activate in the same way as you're, as you feel in pain yourself, I, I just think it's fascinating. And I would love to actually do more, to read more research into this because I don't know, I just think it's quite amazing. So, definitely think about that about that in the future so that's the end of the news article so let's move on to the personal update section so moving on to the personal update section it has been quite a week that's all i'm well no it's not all i'm going to say because it has been a very um well Good week and very upsetting week to be honest. Simply because, well, white coats that basically starts at the beginning. So for so as you know, as I briefly mentioned on last Monday's podcast episode, I one well, I've been working on this writing on these new books for, for writers. That's bit that bit has been going great in the business and I'm so proud of this. I'm honestly so proud of this human fandom book and it's honestly one of my passions in life, I think, was I'm going to become, I will, I'm going to offer a consulting service and I want to go into public speaking about human branding. So I won't bore you too much on that because I know you're not likely, but human branding is very interesting, I think. And hopefully on Monday, yeah, on Monday when you hear this, the book should be published. So if you want to check it out, even very quickly, the book's called Human Branding for Authors. How to be human in an AI world. To be honest, I think it applies for all small businesses. So if you're a human, um, sorry, if you're a small business, I would still check it out. Because I think it's still very useful useful to you. So I sort of break it down through, so I sort of break down the week. Because I've been really looking forward to, to London Book Fair. And go to this international conference, this white licensing conference. So I'm just going to learn. I'm just going to meet people. I'm just going to learn so much about the industry, about AI, and so many great, amazing stuff that can benefit you, my brilliant podcast listeners, and also my readers that I love tons because they're investing their time and money into me. So if you're any of any of my readers, thank you so much. And well, well, your podcast listeners, you're giving up your time for me. So. Thank you so, so much. So, yeah, so uh, last Saturday, so about nine days ago, by the time you listened to this, I was I was a bit bull about London Book Fair because rumours of it being cancelled. Yeah, but um, so it comes Tuesday, the UK government released its uh, advice about um, the coronavirus. It was fine. London Book Fair emailed us saying it will be going ahead. Saturday, oh, no, Wednesday, quick detour. I was at a student ambassador event for my university 
we did a Roman in ascription session. So I learned how to write a Roman funeral in ascription. That's very interesting. I'm definitely going to use it in a book because it was just, wow, just doing it was really good. Really good. Got back from the event, really happy because of how the event went and the funeral brand. No, sorry, and the in funeral and the funeral inscriptions went really well. Came back, London book fair has been cancelled. So when you hear this, I will not be in London at the International Writer Conference, and I will not be going to London book fair that week. So I was pretty down for about an hour simply because I was so looking forward to it because I really wanted to connect with other authors and do that sort of stuff. But no, it got cancelled because of the coronavirus. Speaking of which. Speaking of which, I know the coronavirus is spreading throughout the world, and if it's a f- well, even if it hasn't affected you, my heart goes out to all of you because it's a terrible thing, and I feel so so sorry for all those people who have died and who has been uh, who has been affected by it. So please know my thoughts and my heart is with you. Yes, yeah, so I'm, you know, I was pretty down about that aspect of London Book Fair, but. I are, but I but I understand why, and I've always and I've always understood why they might cancel the London Book Fair because it is a sort of safety hazard. Because if you get thousands of people from different countries coming into London, which is a city about eight, no, about ten million, it could easily cause a pandemic. So yes, that's quite bad and shocking, and we need to avoid that. Um, very quickly then, well, so next week I'll probably be doing let's little bits and pieces I've been putting off. putting off. But the reason why I'm doing this set now, 25 to 10, 25 to 11, is because I'm I'm going home for the weekend, just so I can refund the the train tickets that you can only do at an actual train station, which is a bit annoying. Plus I obviously need to go and see my grandma because she's had a fall. Fall and yeah, and so much family drama at the moment. The London Book Fair has been cancelled. I'm just, yeah, oh, oh life. But the brilliant thing about being an author is that you can just create and you can just add to the world in beauty and art when you are faced with, with difficulties. And to be honest, it's not that bad about London Book Fair being cancelled. Uh, hopefully it will be one next year and my grandma's fine. It would be nice to see her at the weekend anyway. Anyway, so the reason why I'm doing it is now exactly 25 to 11 is because I've got a lot to do before I get back tomorrow, just because I want to get this new writing for John, this new books for writing John, and all the website infrastructure done by 3pm tomorrow, which is when I've got a workshop at university, then I'll be going home afterwards, so wish me luck, and um, I'll keep you updated in the future. So um, let's move on to the content of the episode. Hello everyone, so today's episode will be our last episode in this health psychology line of episodes and today we'll be focusing on the social explanations for the reasons why obesity develops. So let's get on with it. So to be honest there are many social and environmental reasons why people get obese but I think we can all agree that the two major ones are an inactive lifestyle mainly because over the past 50 or 100 years, technology has developed so much that we don't need to be as active as we used to be. For example, cars allow us to uh, or to travel distances where we could have just walked it. Even now, some people 
live and I know tons of people are guilty of that but some people just drive down the uh, the corner shop which is just about a minute or two walk and um, walks away personally I think that's a pointless but but I guess that all of us uh, we all do well we all do drives that other people could uh, perceive as pointless for example example like I've driven to the supermarket that's about a 10-15 minute walk away and I'm sure there's some people out there who would perceive that as being lazy or pointless so it's all about what you see as worth it and not and sometimes it is just quicker and if you're busy then I can fully understand why you will why you would do that one two minute walk walk like as a drive drive so I promise you I'm not attacking anyone I'm just pointing out how technology has made us a bit less active and then the other one is that is that the type of foods that are available have made us a lot more unhealthy for example the major one is that there's a lot more fatty foods foods about foods about because even if you look at other parts of the world today their diet's a lot healthier and there's nowhere near as as much fat in their diet so that just shows the type of foods that we have available to us social factors and they do lead to us getting obese. Overall this basically means so that that we're gaining a lot more calories than we're burning off which leads to obesity and while this case study below doesn't focus on obesity it does show how the environment and social factors can impact our health. So May's in all 2014 this study researched researchers used a sample of 106 teenagers that were aged 12 to 17 years old and the whole point of this was to investigate this, the effects of parental smoking and what was done was that there were interviews done with the teenagers and their parents following this the teenagers had a follow-up interview one and five years later the parents interviews focused on smoking history current smoking and nicotine dependence and that's the drug within cigarettes for anyone doesn't know what nicotine is results show that teenagers with nicotine dependent parents were more likely to start smoking earlier in life as well as they were more likely to become early experimenters with a smoking with each additional year of egg exposure basically meaning that if a child is constantly exposed to smoking smoking then them themselves are more likely to uh, to experiment with smoking earlier in conclusion adolescents also known as teenagers with a nicotine dependent parents are susceptible to more intense smoking patterns and this uh, this increases with longer duration of exposure so in a much more user-friendly way in conclusion teenagers who are who are well who are exposed to smoking parents are more likely to become smokers themselves. That's how you could rephrase that in a lot more of a simpler way. And I think this is generally true. For example, you can see this in like my family. In like my family lot. For example, my nan was a smoker. My mum was a smoker. And then my brother's a smoker. Yet it does show that... It does show that just because you're a smoker something doesn't mean it will affect you. For example... I'm fully against the idea of smoking, smoking because it's so bad for your health. For your health, so just because you're exposed to something doesn't mean that you will 
start smoking it yourself. So let's move on to critical thinking. So, the, so this experiment effectively examines the effects of parental smoking by using a teenage age age group, and this and focusing on that age group definitely makes it a more effective study, as this is the age group that is more likely to experiment with smoking. However, this experiment may be an example of reductionism. So this is when you try and narrow something down to one particular cause. For example, when you try and narrow down obesity to only biological causes, whilst you, whilst you ignore the social and the cognitive causes of, uh, of obesity. Because this experiment only looks at the effects of parental smoking and and the increase in likelihood of the child smoking without considering the other factors, for example, peer pressure, stress, and possibly genetic factors. Overall, this does cast doubt on the effects of parental smoking as that we don't know how important it is compared to other factors. So that's something to think about. So, yes, so bringing everything together then, the main social factors that can increase the likelihood of, of obesity is an inactive lifestyle and then changing the type of food that we eat towards the more unhealthy food. Food. The Maison All 2014 demonstrates how the environment, environmental factors can increase and ultimately play a role in teenagers developing unhealthy behaviours, which in the case of that study was the smoking. So I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And as always, if you want to learn more about health psychology, because I've only... Yes, because in this current first edition, there's only six uh, chapters, and uh, we've only looked at three. Uh, we've only looked at uh, three of them. So, if you want to learn more about health psychology, then please uh, look at then please uh, check out my health psychology book. And if you want to know more about um, psychology, then uh, please uh, check out ConnorWhitely.net. And if you want to connect, please uh, use the contact form at ConnorWhitely.net or tweet me at Sci-Fi Whitely. Ultimately, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode and have a good week, everyone. Thank you for listening today. I hope that you found it useful and engaging. Well, if you want the show notes, backlist episodes and more information on psychology, on psychological topics, please check out ConnorWhitely.net. And if you want to get a free book, as well as other news about writing and psychology, then please check out. Yeah, but then please sign up for my newsletter at connorwhitely.net. Have a great week, everyone.